0: Good morning last week in the study cycle of Rambam of the cycle learning three broken a day we learned the 15 chapters of Hilchot Shelach Kain in the laws of prayer and the priestly blessing and as i was going through i started to notice um, to sort of take note of things that the rambam says in the liturgy that we that we do differently than what the rambam says and um, so I, I want today's class We're going to go through some of those differences. And obviously, I didn't point out every little difference as numerous. As, I mean, if you really want to comb everything with a fine comb, you could find many, many more differences. But um, I chose the things either things which I have something interesting to say about or that I think they're interesting, which are sometimes um, forgotten about or overlooked. And also, I picked on a few things which you know, It's amazing how you could read a text, and especially often when you're learning Rambam, it's like it's just one of the things you do every day, and you just do it because you have to do it, and not necessarily taking the time and paying the attention. You kind of assume you know what he's going to say, so you just assume that that's what he says. And on closer inspection, actually, he says something which you never noticed before. And to me, I tried to take the time to do that this time around, and I was quite... There were a few things which i noticed which were quite surprising to me and so i wanted to share now it so happens that one of the things that the rambam says differently than what we do is actually um, obviously many of them would have you know a worthy sort of, of an in-depth exploration and could do a whole class or part of a class on, but there's one specific one which which was is relevant actually to yesterday's davening which i wanted to dwell on a little i'm going to start from there and go a little bit in, in depth into that one and then um, we'll go back, sort of, just review quickly the 15 chapters. I've pulled out a number of different halachas um, to to dwell on. So I'm going to start off like this. Yesterday was a coincided two things. First of all, it was one of the Shabbos of the three weeks, and we know that for the three weeks, the three weeks preceding the three Shabbosos preceding Tishbet, it is customary to read the it was called the Tlos of the Puranisa, the three haftiras with with um, of chastising the Jewish people and also it was Rish Chodesh. and whenever Shabbos coincides with Rish Chodesh, there is the specific Haftorah for Shabbos Rish Chodesh, which we know as Hashamayim Kisi. So what do you do when those two coincide? Um, so uh, different, there are different customs. Now here, here in and in Menhogim of Chabad the Rebbe compiled a list of all the Haftorahs throughout the year where there are differences of custom. And, um, he, and he clarified what the Chabad custom is. And the last entry on the list is of. Um, so the, the list is actually copied into the Siddur in the back of the T'l HaShem Siddur. I'm not sure if it's in the annotated edition, but in the old Hebrew editions, it's there. Um, but this is in the way it's published in Sefer Menhogim, there's this footnote on the bottom that says as follows. So he says, that on Shabbos of the correct after to read is Shimu. We'll see soon what that is. And um, on the footnote, he brings over here the rabbi put over here an, an entry from his personal diary. He says that on Motz Shabbos Kodesh, Tishah So um, Tishabav must have been on on Shabbos, and on that Motz Shabbos, which is um, the eve of Tishabav observed in the year Tafri Tzadik. That's um, 1930. ichle Simcha should be transformed into a day of joy, Berlin. And um, so the Friedrich Kareba was also in Berlin. Um, or perhaps this was a different year. Perhaps he's writing that year in Taufrych Tadik. Yeah. Either way, on one such occasion, he was talking to the Friedekei Rebbe mm-hmm. about the various customs for the Haftarah on this Shabbos. And he, the Friedekei Rebbe told him, Amur Omar, Amur my father said, who my father refers to the Rebbe Rashab, Omar paham HaShamayim Kisi, one year when it was such an occasion, and the Rebbe Rashab always was called up for the Haftarah, um, he said the Haftarah HaShamayim Kisi, which is the general Haftarah for Shabbos Rishchidesh, every, every Shabbos Rishchidesh a few years later, the Khal again, coincided with Shabbos. Omar he said that Shimudvar Hashem. He said a different one, Shemudvar Hashem. The Amar oz, and he said then on that second occasion, that he regrets having said Hashamaim Kisi a few years ago. Now, as we'll see, both of these options, Hashamaim Kisi and Shimu, are legitimate opinions mentioned in Shulchan Aruch. For some reason, originally the Rebbe Ashab held one way and we don't know why, over the years, he, um, he, he changed his mind to the other one. Um, what caught my attention reading this was that he said, he made an emphasis over the fact that he regretted having done it. Like, first of all, why is he regretting it? Like, they're both legitimate. And I don't know, for some reason, it just caught my intention that the Rebbe Asha made a point of saying that he regretted his, what he had done a few years ago. And um, I want to show you the sugan, perhaps even explain what the Rebbe was, why he was emphasizing that he regretted it. Now, one thing that's very important to understand, and this is my personal reflections, having read um, Hilchus Tula of the Rambam, that it's important to understand how the customs that relates to Kriya Satura develop, and the order in which they develop. In other words, the initial, initially, there's a takhana, there's, there's an institution made by Moshe Rabbeinu to read from the Torah every week. Then come many years later, Ezra HaSeifer and he comes along and he adds more detail to that institution. We have to read also on Shabbos Mincha on a Monday and Thursday, uh, also on Shabbos Mincha. And he, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say how many alias they have to be. Ezra said, how many alias have to be. Numerous details were added by Ezra. And then at some point later, there was an additional made that in, besides for reading the Torah, we also read the half Torah, which is to read a section from the prophets. But it was not in any level um, institutionalized or canonized which have Torah to read, or which part of the Torah necessarily to read. It was, it was, it took time to, yeah, then eventually to develop the custom. Okay, we're gonna read the whole Torah. And there were actually two um, cycles, one cycle, which is what basically, as far as I know everybody does today, is to finish the Torah in 12 months. Um, there was also used to be a cycle of finishing the Torah in, in 36 months, in three years. Um, and also which, which readings we do on different holidays. And which readings we do on, 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 which haftaras we do on specific weeks and specific holidays, all of that developed over time. Now, it's really, it's very, in order to understand and to understand how the haftaras work and which haftaras we read on a given occasion, it's important to understand that because what happens is if you have an early custom followed by a later custom, what do you do when the two clash with each other? Let me give you an example completely unrelated to the reading of the Torah. There is a the Torah says to put tits on your garments. Um, on a biblical level, if you have says in if you have one knot and, and coils, no minimum requirement for how many coils and how many knots, it's kosher, midiraisa, midiraisa. Biblically, that's a kosher pair of tzitzis. Right? Now then there is a very, very ancient. Jewish custom, to make sure that you have five knots on each of the corners of the tzitzis. Um, and that custom is so ancient and deeply embedded into, the, into Jewish practice, that when the Torah says that by doing the tzitzis, you remember all the mitzvahs, why do you remember all the tzitzis? So the commentaries explain, Rashi brings it, because tzitzis has the gematria numerical value of 600, plus eight strings, plus five knots, equals 613. Right? Now, it's a custom. Having five knots is a custom, but it's such a deeply embedded custom that that becomes sort of the interpretation of the Pasuk and Chumash. Right Now, then we have other customs in Tsitsis. For example, one custom, which is, as far as I know, is accepted certainly throughout the Ashkenazi communities, that you have four different sets of coils numbering 7, 8, 11, 13. Right? Now, that's a very... It's also an early custom, but not as early. And then you're going to have to ask the question, which could happen. Let's say you have a very minimum, minimum minimal amount of string. When those two customs clash with each other, which one are you going to do? Right? And obviously, it's going to be more important to have five knots. Yeah, If you're somebody would be stranded somewhere and a very short amount of string and you had to prioritize, we would say it's more important to have five knots than to have um, those specific number of coils around each, each section of the tzitzis. So that's just an example how understanding the framework and the history of the development of the customs um, is important to understanding how to approach this. Now another unique thing, before we get into the specifics of this haftarah. another unique thing um, with the halachas of Kriya Satira and the haftarah is that usually, and those who have been following this class, I've seen this on numerous occasions. Uh, any given halacha, you start tracing back the halacha back to the Gemara or the Mishnah and pretty much there's a straight, for the most part, there's a straightforward path. The Mishnah says this, the Gemara says that, the Taisha says this, the Rush says that, the Torah, the and it's, at least generically, it's a predictable path to trace the current minhag back to the Mishnah and the Gemara. There are exceptions to that rule. And there are a lot of exceptions to that rule when it comes to which readings we do, both from the Torah and the half Torah. And I'll show you here a quote from a toysus in Simpsachim, where Toyser says um, that there are many things of a Kamadvarim. There are many things. Toyser is not specifically talking about Torah reading here, but look at the examples he gives. Advarim, there are many things on the Soimchim Asvarim We rely, out, base our practice. On external books, external meaning not the Talmud, Omanich in Gemara and we, uh, we, we depart from what our Gemara says. And the examples he gives, I don't want to read the whole thing now because it's going to, but, but the example he gives is that when it comes to Shabbos or of yesterday, we don't read the haftira that the Gemara says to read. Why not? Because we're going to rely on a Tesefta, an alternative Bryso, or some tradition that, that's recorded elsewhere, which is not recorded in the Talmud. When it comes to that now, of course, reading of the Torah is not the only example of this, there are exceptions to every rule, but I think that it would be true to say that specifically when it comes to the readings of of, of certain, what we read on certain holidays, etc, that that seems to be departing from what the Mishnah and Gemara says um, on a number, uh, quite a number of occasions. Now, so again, originally, the takana is you read from the Torah every Shabbos and you do a Haftarah. What the Haftarah is, there's no, um, there's no, everybody could choose. And then as time goes on, customs develop as to which Haftarahs are read. Initially, it seems to me that initially the Haftarahs the for specific occasions are chosen, right? And then later became the standard text for every single parish of what the given Haftarah for that one is. Now, I'm going to put here on the screen, hopefully we could get the whole thing onto one screen. One, two, three, four. This is basically four different passages of the prophets, which are going to serve as the basis for four or five different Haftarah options. Um, Let's look at these. The Gemara says in Megillah, Daphna Amidalef, at the end of Amidalef, that when Rishchodesh falls on Shabbos, the Haftarah that we read is, um, Now, we call that HaShamaim Kisi. That Haftarah comes from the last parak of Yeshaya, chapter 66 of Yeshaya which starts off with the words which is how we usually refer to it, the Haftoyah of Shemaim Kisi. The Gemara refers to it as because the very last or the, the second to last posse of that chapter is that it will happen every single month that people will come to prostrate themselves before Hashem. And the relevance is that because it mentions the word month, it's appropriate to read that passage of the prophets on, um, on Rish Chedosh. Again, my, I don't know, can't say this with author- authoritatively, my, my hunch is that this custom to read this specific Haftarah, which mentions Rosh Chodesh, on a Shabbos that coincides with Rosh Chodesh, was instituted or institu- yeah, made into a general custom, long before there was a very fixed recipe for every week, which after to read, which is why, but yeah, this is why, that any other week of the year, yeah, Rishchidesh Shvat falls on Shabbos. We don't read the Haftarah of Parsh's boy or or whatever it would be. We override that Haftarah in favor of reading HaShemayim Kisi because reading HaShemayim Kisi or in the words of the Gemara of Ahoyam that's the same thing. Both referring to this chapter of Yashayim. Reading that on Shabbos Rishchidesh is a much earlier custom than is reading whatever specific passage of, 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 of prophets that is usually reserved for Pashish May's or whatever it is, yeah? So far, so good. Now, then the Gemara continues. So any Rish that falls on Shabbos, we read Vahayamid Khaidash. What if Rish of falls on Shabbos? Yesterday, the first day of the month of Av falls on Shabbos. So the Gemara says we read the haftira of Khachekimadehem son and which is Basically, um, also mentioning the, our, our commemoration of Rishchaitesh, but with a negative and, a, let, let's use, a, with, with a reprimanding tone. Now, we have already seen, it's very important to pay attention to this, we've already seen that the Gemara often refers to the Haftorah not by the first words of the specific passage that you're reading, with later words in that very same passage. And we saw that example before. This haftarah, which we would call Hashemayim Kisi, because that's basically the first words of the haftarah, the Gemara refers to the Haftarah. The Gemara doesn't mean that you start from the Haftarah. The Gemara is calling it because that's the relevant verse of the Haftarah. So here too, when the Gemara says that you, when your Haftarah falls on Shamash, it doesn't necessarily mean, I'll zoom in over here. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're starting from verse 14 where it says but it just means that that's the part of the passage that you read. Now, what is this whole passage? This passage is the first chapter of Yeshaya. The first words of that Yeshayahu, right? This is the Haftarah that we read Shabbos Khazoin. everybody knows next Shabbos, the Shabbos immediately preceding Tishavav is known as Shabbos Hazoin. Why is it called Shabbos Khazoin? Because we read in the Haftarah chapter 1 of Yeshaya. So the Haftorah of that the Gemara is telling us to read on Shabbos that falls on the first day of Av is what we all know we read on the Shabbos on next Shabbos on the Shabbos immediately preceding Tishah Now, another important thing to point out is that when we read it next week, we read the whole chapter, the whole chapter one. However, we'll see soon in the Rambam and in others that actually. Some people split this chapter into two and used it as two different haftiras. One haftira was from (laughs) Chazayin Yishayahu or from Chachecha until at some point in the middle. And then another haftira started from verse 21 of that chapter with the words (laughs) Eicha Hoysa So for us Eicha Hoysa is included in what we're going to say next week. We say the whole chapter. But some had the custom to split this into two. And there was one Haftaira called or called Chazay which was comprised of the first half of this chapter. And then there was another Haftaira called which was the latter half of this chapter. Okay. So to summarize so far, based on the Gemara, when any Rishchidosh falls on Shabbos, we read Ko HaShem which is Isaiah chapter 66. When Rishchidosh falls on Shabbos, we read the first half of chapter one of Yeshaya containing the verse. Now, right there on that Gemara, Tosfos says, "No, we don't do that, because we have a custom." Says Toistus, which is not mentioned explicitly in the Gemara. It's important to remember this: the custom that we all again, it's axiomatic. We all know about this. It's not mentioned in the Gemara. What's that custom? That for the three weeks preceding Tishabov, we, um, we read three after plus of the Puranusa. We read three. Um, Havtirus of um, of uh, what's the word we use? Um, chastising the Jewish people. So now that we, so now those three those three Shabbosos, which are taking are, are have a, a, a designated haftira and if Roshchay the falls on Shabbos, that's obviously going to be one of those Shabbosos which already has a designated uh, havtira. What are the three Aftorahs? So Toysa says that the three afters that we read, which is indeed our custom, is Divrei Yirmiyahu. That's the first one, which we read that a week ago, which is chapter one of Yirmiyah. The second one is Shimu, which is chapter two of Yirmiyah. And the third one is Chazoin, which is chapter one of Yeshaya. Those are the three afters which we read every single year for the, what we call the three weeks, for the three Shabbosos, preceding to so as to Now that we have this custom to read those three, so you can't read Chachem or on Rish Shav. That we read Chachem or next Shabbos on the, on the day before Tishabov. What do we read on Shabbos Rishchayd We read Shemu, which is always the second haftarah, um for for uh, of the three weeks. Now here. We're overriding a Gemara because the Gemara says specifically that on Rishchaydash of you read Chacherechem Ma'ayadechem. Not only that, and you're making a you're developing a different minhag to read Shimu. Not only that, even if you say okay, we read Chacherechem next week, says Nishkafelech, but then there's another Gemara that says that you have to read on Shabbos Rishchaydash Hashamayim Kisi, right? Isaiah 66. This one. So even if you want to tr- 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 say that we have this other custom and therefore we're going to treat Rish Chodesh as any other Shabbos, a- as any other Shabbos, Shabbos still, if it's Shabbos or Shabbos, we're supposed to read Isaiah 66. So essentially what Torah is saying that this minhak that developed to read the three haftiras of the three weeks overrides the Gemara that there's a special Haftorah for Shabbos, Shabbos That's essentially what Torah is saying. Um, why should that minhag override? So basically, there's two suggestions made in Toisus. One of the half is very interesting. There's a very well-known machleikus. When does the morning period start? Does the morning period start with the shavu Shachal Beitish above the week of tishabav or does it start with the nine days? With nine days meaning from the first of Av. So even though our the Ashkenazi custom is to start from the nine days, so ready for as of last night we don't eat meat and wine etc but um but strictly speaking we pass on that it only starts in the in the week of tisha bav and the sfaradim still um do that till today and so for example in a year like this year when tisha bav falls on sunday there is no shavosh hawa there's no morning besides the actual for sfaradim this year there's no limitations on eating meat or drinking wine besides the day of tisha bav and the following morning um so, one of the suggestions Taishas and other Rishonim make is that the Gemara that says that you have to read Choshechem and Mayadechem, which is Chazon Yishayahu on, sorry, on of, that follows the opinion that says that the morning starts with the beginning of the nine days. But we push it off to next Shabbos because we paschin that the morning only starts in the week of Tishabeth. And therefore, we postpone that haftorah to next week and we retain our regular cycle of reading the haftorahs of the three weeks, um, even when Mishkredishav <laughs> falls on Shabbos. Yes? So far, so good? Additionally, Toysu says that our custom is based on a tosefta, that uh, even though the Gemara says um, that we should read this haftorah, Our custom of reading is based on a Tesefta, which is also Tanaic teachings. And like I said before, even though the rule of thumb would be that we would override the Tehsefta in favor of a Gemara, but there are exceptions to the rule. And this is one of the exceptions where we're following a tesefta and um, parting ways from what the Gemara tells us to do. I want to show you one very interesting thing in Tehsefta, which is um, not because it's really relevant in the discussion. It's just fascinating. It's not there are him who write like this a lot, but it's quite rare to see. I don't recall ever seeing anything like this in Toysos, where Toysos is discussing the custom of the seven haftaras following Tisha B'av, the seven haftaras of comfort, which we read. And he gets into some of the details and he says, this is what you have to do. And then he says, rav not in accordance with the words of the Rav ha-chevel. Now, literally, Rav HaK'eval means the, the captain of the ship, but it could also mean the the rabbi who is causing damage, who, who turned who turns things upside down on um, a and he confuses everyone to say a different custom. You know, <laughs> it's just interesting that Tosas uses such a sharp lotion to um, to exclude actually what happens to be um, the Shita of the Rambam about there, and there's some discussion if Tosas is actually w- who which of the Baalei wrote this Tosas, and is he explicitly referring to the Rambam or not? Beyond the scope. Okay. Lameisa is azoi. In Shulchan Aruch, so there's, so, so there's numerous opinions over here exactly what to do. Um, there's numerous opinions exactly what to do. In Shulchan Aruch it says like this. The Ramah, this is in the law of Shulchan Aruch HaRechayim chapter 425, the Ramah says like this. of is um, when Rishchidesha falls on Shabbos, maftir and shimu, we say the Haftarah of shimu, which is what Toysa said to say. In other words, that's the second Haftarah of the three weeks. You just keep on your cycle of the three weeks. some say no. Hashemayim kisi, that you have to read the regular Haftarah for Shabbos He doesn't even bring, the Ramah doesn't even bring what the Gemara says. The Gemara says you have to bring Chachaycham, we read that next week. The Ramah doesn't even bring that as an option for yesterday. The Ramah brings two options for yesterday, either Shimu, which is the regular after for the second of the three weeks, or Hashamayim Kisi, which is the regular after for when a for when any Rosh Chodesh coincides with Shamas. The, the, primarily we pass like that last opinion. So According to Shulchan Aruch, we should read the Haftarah of Hashem. According to the Ramah, right it says you're supposed to read the, the, the Hafteira of Hashemayim Kisi, which is the one for any other Rishchayid that falls on Shabbos. So, if there's an established minhag to read um, Shimu or to read something else, whatever, then you follow the custom. But the Ramah is asking that if there's no established custom, then we should read Hashemayim Kisi. Now, I don't know. That, so, and that's indeed what the Rebbe Ashab did the first time around, which he later said he regretted, was he did what the Ramah said. He did Hashemayim Kisi. Do you happen to know? Did you, where did you die when yesterday, Bill? Do you happen to know which after they said? Did he announce? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't okay. Um, so, Ari, where did do you know what they said? Where did you go? Oh, it's like, no, they said what? They said, they said the one for Massey. Yeah, Massey. Right. That's so they. So which where was that in uh, Where is that? No, this was at Kins. Kins. And where did you go? That was Masai, Masi. Also Massey. Where did you go? Yeshuran. Yeshuran. Okay. So it seems like widespread Ashkenazi custom is not in accordance with the Ramah, which again is unusual. Usually Ashkenazi custom follows the Ramah. Now, who's the one who argues on this? By the way, I should show you a very interesting source over here. That the, um, the Haggai is on this Rambam says that this is one of the cases where that the custom to read the Haftar of the three weeks overrides the Halacha that you have to read. So it's such an interesting thing. On that Ramah, there's a Biur Hagra from the Vilna Goyen, the Grab and uh, we're not going to go through all the details right now but he basically demonstrates that actually we ought to follow the first opinion of the rama which is to read shimu which is the opinion of toysavus and he says that actually the the, the, the opinion to read Hashemayim kisi was based um, what, what was from i think he says which was based on an erroneous um, reading of toysavus we discussed last week the legitimacy of different gearsayas and different manuscripts but basically the Gra is the one who really puts strong favor in reading Shimur, the Haftaira of Massey, um, even though the Ramos says to be the Kisei. So it's interesting that the Rabbi Hashab originally did what the Ramos said and later changed to do what the Zulnagoyim says. But anyway, so that's basically the overview of the Haftira for yesterday. One thing that occurred to me is that in all of this discussion, you see this in the Rama and also in others who discuss it, uh, um, the, 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 that... Um, that a big, role, a big role player is the established custom. You have to do, there's all these different opinions and you could, whichever way you look at it, you could, you could find legitimacy for it. But you have to follow the custom. And I was thinking that perhaps that's why the Rebbe Ashab said that he regret, regrets what he had done because we know that interior regret undoes something. You could regret having taken a vow in doing Teshuvah. Um, regret is a, is a very important ingredient. So the Rebbe Rashab was saying, I regret having done Hashemayim Kisi, not because he was uncomfortable, yet. by declaring that he regrets it, what he was perhaps trying to accomplish was to say that I haven't established a minhak to do Hashemayim Kisi, and therefore I shouldn't be able to change now. That it's not just, you know, talking, but there was actually sort of a halachic reason why he wanted to emphasize that he had that he regretted what he had done a few years ago so it's not so that that should ha- um, be sort of um established as precedence to having established a custom yeah okay now it's interesting to note the ver- this very interesting thing the bottom line is that, that's what the says is answer. yeah, yeah. The Ramos is Ramos is okay. um when so the statement that, that um the halacha is one thing and the minhag is something else is that, is that what the, the in this Golika Halocha in this context is brought by the Hagos maimonius on the Rambam. And what well, the interesting thing is in the Rambam, and again, remember, it's very important to pay attention to the order in which things are presented. And the Rambam is very systematic that way. And he says, this is in chapter 13 of, of Hilchah he says, um, <speaking in Hebrew> That's the Haftayra for the right? What would you do on that Shabbos? Yeah, let's call it Pasha's Massey if it wasn't Rishcheidah You would read any Haftari you want, right? Only later on in Halacha Yud does the Rambam, sorry, Yud does the Rambam bring that actually there's a custom to read three, the Sholish Tichachish, the three um, of um, of chastising, right? So, the, the, the halacha to read that the Gemara brings, that's brought in halacha dala. That's, that's what you have to do. Later on, there's another custom that's developed, the, 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 the people have the custom to read these three afters. And it's interesting that the Rambam has a different re, um, order of the three. He says, number one is Divrei Yirmiyahu, okay, that's the same as we do, um, Yomia chapter one. Number two is chazoin yeshayahu, which is which is shechem So the same Haftarah that the Rambam said before that you read on Rishchei of when it falls on Shabbos, now the Rambam is adding that according to Nahagul Ha'am, we would read that very same Haftarah on that second Shabbos of the three weeks, regardless of whether it's Rishchei Av or not. And next Shabbos, when we read chazoin yeshayahu, he reads heicha heysel which is the second half of chapter one of Yeshaya, which we're reading the entire chapter one next week, and the Rambam splitting it into two. Okay. Now, what's very interesting to note is that the bottom line is that we have te- three opinions or three customs as to which haftorah we should read yesterday Hashemayim Kisi, Shimudvar Hashem, and Shechem Omeadechim. So, that's what the Gemara says, which has both qualities. It mentions Rish Chodesh and also, it mentions Rish Chodesh and also it's a haftor of reprimanding the Jewish people propose this time of the year. The other option, HaShemayin Kisi, which mentions Rish Chodesh, that's why we read it every time Rish Chodesh falls on Shabbos, is generally considered a, a positive haftor note, which is actually why when Rish Chodesh Elul falls on Shabbos, which is also one of the seven. Which is one of the seven comforting afters, Then virtually everybody holds that we override the one of the seven comfort ones and read it with Hashemayim Kisi, and then we make it up later. We combine it with the Nezara. Okay, right. But nevertheless, in that haftira, it also mentions mourning over Jerusalem. It says, "Sisu ita Moses that. Those who mourn over Jerusalem will rejoice from where the Gemara, from where we Chazal <laughs> say, that if a person participates in the mourning of Jerusalem, he is, it will be married to see the salvation of Jerusalem, is also alluded to in that very Haftarah. And the third Haftarah, you know, the third option is to read Shimud Vashem, which is what everyone around this table did. And there also, there's an allusion to Chaydesh of, because it says, and the Radak brings, one of the interpretations that the Radak brings is that this is the, the that the, the retribution that the prophet foretells, quote, catches up with the Jewish people, the Chodshah in the month of Av. So essentially, all three of the, it's interesting to note that all three of the options of which Haftarit to have read yesterday, have at least some allusion both to Rishchidesh and to the morning of the month of Av. Now, even though the Chabad custom is to read the, the Haftaira of Masay, but just for extra kicks, there's another little piece that we add on, and I don't know if they did this in other shuls also, but this is based on, on something the Beis Yosef and other Pasukums suggest on other occasions, that whenever there's this sort of overlap and, you, and there's two Haftairas which sort of should be read, so there's this, um, there's this compromise or this extra thing you could do is that after you read whichever haftarah you read, you also read the first and last Pasuk of the other one. So, for example, yesterday, we read the Haftarah of Shimu Vah Hashem, and then we also added on the first and last Pesach of HaShemayim Kisi, which explicitly includes the verse, mentioning the words of Rish Chayda, the, 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 the day of Rish Chayda. So, we that sort that of, we're covering ourselves on more bases that, that that not only are we doing the custom of Shimu, but we're also covering our bases, at least for the bare minimum, of the other Haftarah. Yeah? Did they do that in, in, in the other shuls? No. Okay, um, so that again, that custom to do the first and last pasuk of the haftarah of another haftarah is mentioned by the Bish Yosef. I, I think he mentions it in regard to Rishkedish Elul, but we use it for Rishkedish Elul, we use it for Rishkedish Nisan, we use it for Rishkedish Adar, we use it for Rishkedish Tevis. Whenever there's an overlap, we use it every time Rishkedish is Shabbos and Sunday, where there's two opinions. Do you read the haftarah of Rishkedish and do you read the haftarah of Mach We do both. The, the, there's, there's numerous occasions when there's an overlap of which haftarah to read. And one way of covering your bases is by doing the main one and then adding the first and last possible of the other one. And then the first and last possible of, of which one? The one that's over. and Kisi. Which is what the, the one that the says is the main one to read. Okay. All right. Pause. New part of the class. We're gonna go now through um say of the Ram, Al Haseida from the beginning, and just point um, make a number of observations. So if anybody was not following, now's a t- chance to join back in. First of all, in the introduction to Hilchus, um, to Hilchus Kainim, the Rambam brings out as a biblical positive a commandment for the koinim to bless the Jewish people every day. And we all know that at least um, for Ashkenazim in the diaspora, um, it's not customary to do that. We only duchen what we call duchening on Musaf Yomtev. And again, beyond the scope to go into why and how and et cetera. But that's just uh, worth noting. OK. Um, another halacha, which is very interesting, and perhaps another uh, manifestation of this concept of minhago ikar halacha, that the custom overrides the halacha, is what the Rambam says in chapter 2, halacha 17. When he's talking about the times of the year when we request the same telemoto, when we ask Hashem for rain, the Rambam says that those places that need rain at a different season of the year, um, they, should, they ask for rain. The Shemei they ask for the rain at the time that they need it, right? Which basically, I mean, without, without even getting into all the details of exactly when does the United States need rain and when does Europe need rain, etc. But it's certainly very obvious that anywhere in the Southern Hemisphere, which include many big Jewish communities, South America, South Africa, Australia, um, um we ought to do this, and this is not just the Rambam, this is in Shulchan also, but nevertheless, the prevalent custom is that in all of those communities in the Southern Hemisphere, they say the same Talmud exactly as we do here in the Northern Hemisphere. And um, again, they say many many, uh, many um, pens have been broken, yeah, to discuss that and to justify the custom, which are to try to, ch- to change the custom, but at the end of the day, that remains the prevalent custom over there. So, that was interesting. Okay. On, uh, yeah, we just follow what they did in Bavell from December fourth till Pesach all over the world, with the exception of Eitz Chosov, but it's from Zayin Keshvan, and that's it. But Do they do this thing where uh, they'll say the Sim Brakha? I mean, I, I don't know that there aren't individuals that say it, but it's certainly not the widespread custom. But I'm asking. I'm asking that they, the Minah gets to do a Sim Brakha, what everyone else is doing that. Do they add no, the, the Minah gets to do it exactly as we do it. Without adding. It as, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I don't doubt that when you go to South uh, the Southern Hemisphere, you'll do things differently, but uh, you'll be you'll still remain in the minority. <laughs> no, the truth is, it's not even true, because even if you go to visit there, there's a machlenk is what to do if somebody lives in one place and is visiting another place. But if for whatever reason you would move to Australia, then uh, I think I know what you would do. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, another interesting halacha which the Rambam brings, which is um, basically unheard of today, is davening two minchas every day, right? We know there's two minchas, there's mincha gdolah and mincha k'tana. Mincha gdolah starts the earliest time for mincha, if you look on the calendar, Is half hour after, after halachic noon, um, so around now it's uh, 1.30 because we're in summertime. Um, and, um, and then the later mincha is mincha k'tana, which starts um, nine and a half hours into the day, um, so around 4.30 at this time of year. Um, some people actually have a, a hakpada, in general that whenever possible to only to daven mincha only after the second time, after mincha geto'ila, but it's certainly not very widespread yeah, amongst uh, Hungarian maybe it's more common to be mocked, but never to have a mincha like at one thirty only in the later time. But the Rambam brings a common minhag, like which many people have the minhag. To daven twice mincha every day, once from at 12.30 and once at, uh, at 3.30, or whatever the times are. And again, that's a minhag, which I believe is completely unheard of today. <laughs> I think it's fine. <laughs> uh, all right. No, so we, can mm-hmm. we can be doing that if it's a shop. Like, All right, uh, Musa, then, another halacha, another halacha <laughs> which the brings is the time for Musaf. When does the time for Musaf, the time for Musaf starts any time after Shachris, and extends like, till seven hours into the day, which is half hour after mm-hmm. Chantzais. But if you didn't have a Musaf before, then you could have a Musaf the whole day. Um, you could have a Musaf the whole day. Um, so what do you do if you if it's time for mincha and musaf? So it's already half hour after Chatzos. It's You could daven mincha already, but you haven't done musaf yet. Which one do you do first? So the Rambam says based in the Gemara that you daven mincha first because uh, mincha is more tadir I think is the reason. Yeah, that's you see here. Um, nevertheless, there's some discussion in Shulchan Aruch whether we actually uh, do that. Certainly, the Rambam already alludes to this that we don't do it sibu with the congregation. So. If, and if davening is delayed. We always daven Musaf, but before Mincha. But even as a private individual, um, certainly if it's before Mincha gadoila, if it's at one thirty or 2 o'clock, and it's before the later time for Mincha, um, there's certainly a lot of room to rely on to say that you daven you could still keep your regular order of davening Musaf and then Mincha. Um, and again, uh, there's no time to go through all the details, but if you look in the Al-Tarebbe Aruch, you have all the details of exactly how to Navigate that situation when you have not daven musaf yet, and it's already time for mincha. Okay, another thing which the Rambam brings, which uh, some people still do, but uh, paschim say that we qualify it, is that the Rambam says there's a certain position you're supposed to stand in while you daven the Amida prayer, and he says that um, first of all he says your heart should be um, upwards which is quoting the Gemara and then he says which means if, as if you're standing in heaven now, I don't know what it means to imagine as if you're standing in heaven but with the way the Alter Rebbe takes that Gemara and what I remember the Alter Rebbe says is that he says that your heart should be as if it's in the base Mikhtosh. so perhaps that's more uh, relatable than imagining you're standing in heaven either way then the Ramam says that where you should stand with Amida is that you have both of your hands um, your right hand on top of your left hand on your heart um, and uh, like, like a servant stands before his master but the posthum qualify that, that that's only the way you should do in a place where it's the norm to stand that way in front of uh, kings or uh, aristocratic people but basically you should always stand the way it is um, everybody should you, you should stand either the way you would stand when you were talking to uh, a, a prominent individual Okay, Here, the, later on the, the Rambam brings the custom, that some people have the custom to do nafilah sapayim, which is what we call tachron, where we sit down after the Amida and, and rest on our arm and say a, a, a psalm. So the Rambam says that there were some yechidim, there were some people who do this by mirev also. Common practices that we just do it shachras and mircha, There were some who do it by mirev. And nowadays I think it's unheard of to do it by mirev, but there is one relevance to this, is in the days of slichas, um, where actually the Chabad custom is that we don't uh, fall on our heads, but there's one paragraph of slichas. the god If you look in most outside of Chabad, everybody sits down and leans their, their head on their arm for that paragraph. In the Chabad slichas, it says we don't lean on our arm, right? Because it's but, but that's also a little bit um, related to this discussion because slichas, at least in its original form, was said during the nighttime, very early in the morning. And so that w- th- it depends on this discussion of whether you do nefilas apayim after Mayrev is also connected to whether or not you do nefilas apayim when on the, in the days of Slichas as part of that. Um, okay, later on, uh, moving on to chapter six of the Rambam says that in addition to the standardized text of the Amida, you could always add in a prayer for something specific that you need. Um, so the example the Rambam gives is that if you know a si- if you have a sick person, you add in mevakshel avracham. You dab for him in the bracha of Rafa'inu. If you need parnasa, you add in a request in the bracha of baruch aleinu, etc. And then he says rotzah if you would like to lishol kol If you want to just, just say the text of the amida as it is and add in all your personal supplications in the one bracha of shemet filah. Of that is also fine. So I thought it noteworthy that there's a letter from the Rebbe published in the Kutasichas, volume 39, Lama Test, page 281, where the Rebbe says that any additional um, prayers that you want to make, make including uh, for healing for somebody, um, for, for specific individuals, is better if it's done in the Bracha of Shemake not to do it in the quote unquote appropriate Bracha of the Amida, but to, to, to package it all together. In like the second option that the Rambam brings. Um, okay. What's the advantage in that? I don't know. It doesn't explain over here. I assume it's, if I had to guess, I would say that it's connected to the general mystical approach of all the words and the number of letters and the number of words being very specific. And so we don't, wanna, we don't want to. We don't want to. We prefer to do it in a way that it's all in one bracha. So we don't quote unquote mess with the with the exact liturgy of the other ones. But that's a guess. It could be completely off the mark. I have no idea. Okay, moving on. Chapter seven, halachah hey. Um The Rambam says that there's a special prayer to say, not a prayer, a special text to say before you go to the bathroom, and that is addressing your, the angels that are accompanying you. Um, you know, basically politely telling them that I'm going to take leave of you to take care of my bodily functions and just wait for me over here. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's, again, this is, of course, based on the Gemara, but nowadays nobody does this. And I believe the Paschum say that we don't consider ourselves worthy to have angels accompanying us all the time. Um, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. There's also some discussion of exactly what these words mean um, and how does this fit with the Rambam's very extreme approach about not um, not asking a blessing of any intermediary, and there's different girsoyus in this Rambam. Um, but okay, we'll move on. Um, later on, okay, so here we have two two things that the Rambam says with regard to the morning blessings. We know we have the whole list of morning blessings, uh, thanking Hashem for our clothing, for standing upright, for for a belt, for a hat, for yeah, all of those things. So there's two things which the Rambam says which Nowadays, um, we don't do. First of all, the Rambam says that you should only say the blessings that you were Nishayev with. So if you didn't hear the rooster, then you don't say, and if you do, are not wearing a belt, then you don't say, and if you are not wearing shoes, etc., then you don't uh, say that one. Lemaisa, the maestro. That's not the custom. The, the, the custom today, as far as I know, amongst all communities is that we say all of those brachas every day. And um, two reasons. First of all, I think uh, apikahbala. There's sort of significance to that. But from the halachic perspective, the reason is that when we thank Hashem for belts and for shoes, it's not specifically for my belt or for my shoes, but it's uh, more of a general thing for um, uh, these things that Hashem created for mankind. There's also another thing which around- the my belt, my shoes, as opposed to not necessarily. As opposed to, thank Hashem for creating belts and creating shoes. So even if I'm personally, I'm not wearing a belt or not wearing shoes, um, uh, we could still say it, which is why, for example, on Tisha and on Yom Kippur, we don't say the bracha for shoes, because then no one is wearing shoes. Um the Rambam also says that you're not supposed to say all the brachas just at one time. You're supposed to say them as they happen. So not like you get dressed, put on your belt, and, da, 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 and then you say those brachas. You're supposed to get dressed, mal rovin, put on your belt, Again, we also don't do that. Not only do we say, not only do we say all the brachas consecutively, one after the other. We even say the ones that didn't happen to us that day. Although the Alter Rebbe does paskin that ideally you should be machmir. So, for example. It's oh, a good idea. On some, one, some one moment. Yes. That doesn't apply today, okay? So we don't say it. That's right, because no one is doing it. But if I personally, that's on Tisha and Yom Kippur. But if for whatever reason today I decide to wear crocs instead of leather shoes, I could still say she also Kotsarki, because other people are wearing leather shoes. However, the Altar Rebbe says, you should be machmir. And therefore, if, you, if you're planning to not wear leather shoes, then that's fine. But if you're planning to wear leather shoes or you're planning to wear a belt, whatever it is, then, I mean, nowadays everybody has a belt because you have elastic in your pants or your clothes, underwear, whatever it is. But whatever you're planning to do anyway, you should do before you say brachas in order to be machmir, according to the opinion of the Rambam. So put on your shoes or your leather slippers before you say brachas, then that's extra good. And some people even have a chumra to buy a chicken just to make sure they could hear the rooster of the uh, crowing also. Uh, there's also some discussion, by the way. We have the last three brachas, Shalai goy, Goi, Shalai Sani Isha. So what about a convert? Can a convert say the bracha, Shalai goy Goi, that Hashem didn't make me a goy? It's not true. Hashem did make him a goy, and then he became Jewish, um, which basically is interesting. It's one of those cases where the widespread custom is according to the Kabbalists um, and not according to the halachic authorities. Uh, the widespread custom amongst converts is that they do say shaloy sanigoi, which um, it's more, uh, again, the Kabbalistic uh, apikavola. Uh, shaloy sanigoi refers to the fact that while I slept, my neshama went up there and came back undamaged, undamaged and it wasn't uh, contaminated by being attached to a Gentile neshama. Um, so, that could, so that's every morning anew. Um, and again, I believe the widespread custom amongst converts is to rely on that Kabbalistic approach and to say it, um Despite halachically it being questionable, we're not going to Is discuss. The yeah, the Rambam. The Rambam says even he doesn't say No, he doesn't say explicitly shalayisani goy, but he would say he even even he doesn't. Say it. He don't, no, he says but He doesn't say about a. He doesn't talk about a convert. Yeah, to yeah. yeah. Well. We're also not going to discuss about what people should say shalayisani ishah if they change whatever. You know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um that was for you, Ephraim. <laughs> okay. Um, chapter 7. Oh, very interesting. So we say kedusha. We have kedusha. What's Kadusha? The Pasuk and the malachim say Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish. Um, So uh, so we say that essentially three times throughout davening. We say it in the Kadusha That's part of the repetition of the Amida. We say it in Ovalati and Goyal, which we say during the week. We say it after Shachris, on Shabbos. We say it before Mincha, and again on Motze Shabbos. And then also in the blessing preceding the Shema, we say Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish. So, with regards to the Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish before the Shema, the Rambam says that just like that, you're not, that only you could only say that with a minion. We don't say Kaddish. You omit that section of the blessing of the Shema. If you're not davening with a minion, yeah, he says here, he's talking about, yeah, Uh, an individual who's davening without a minion does not say Kedusha as part of that bracha. However, the Rambam himself changed his mind about that, as is recorded in the response of the Rambam, Simon Shin Yud Gimel, and also in, um, it's brought down in in the name of the Rambam, the Rambam changed his mind about that that we can say the Kedusha as part of, as an individual on Bechus Krishma, because we're not really saying Kedusha, we're just saying that the angels say Kedusha. you are not saying the Pasuk, sort of, that we are sanctifying God, we're, 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 we're recounting, we're not declaring our own Kedusha, we, we are recounting what the angels do, and therefore that's okay. Um, however, we'll see, and, and we'll see soon, very interesting what the Ramam says about Ovaletsein. Moving on, um, in uh, chapter nine, the Rambam says Kaddish, and he says that you answer Yahba Mavarach, Amin Yeshmi Rabba Mavarach, and that you answer omin at the end of Kaddish, which is Damira Bioma Vimru Amin. He doesn't talk mention here the other parts of Kaddish which are customary additions, al Tiskabel. But those are the two omins that he mentions. Now, later on at the end of the book of Ava, we have the Rambam siddur and over there he adds on. The additions at the end, you saw the various different uh, forms of Kaddish that we do. And he also adds that it's customary to add two additional omens to Kaddish, Shmei Rabba Omein and Shmei de Omein, or whatever. But he doesn't say the Amin of Yatzmach. The Rambam does have the words Yatzmach Bukhani Vikarev Mashiche in his Kaddish, but he doesn't have Amin the way we say omen after the Yatzmach. All right, then <coughs> there is another later on in that same halacha. There's the concept of Piris al shema, which again is not customary at all nowadays, that for the blessings of the shema, the chazan says them loud and people listen uh, instead of saying it on their own. Again, that's not common practice. Even the Rambam says that if you know how to say it on your own, you should. Okay. Now here's another thing which the Rambam says, and I did not notice anybody picking up on this. I looked around. Um, And again, this is a very good example of something which you could read a hundred times and not pay attention to. Um, that the Rambam holds that not only do you only say other, not only do you not say a when you're davening without a minion, even when you're davening with a minion, only the chazan says a right? He says here he's describing um, the order of davening um, with a minion, and he says after the amida he stands up and everyone sits down and they read with him. What do they read with him? Teila Ashrei. Ashrei, we, like we say after Tachman, in the morning we say Asherah. he says, in the singular, he says, Ovaletziya in says Kaddish, right? Because the Kedusha, only the Chazan says. And um, it's also Meduyuk in the Rambam, and then I've pointed out here two other places. Uh, I'll show you in chapter 12, in Halacha 21. Again, the Rambam mentions there Ovaletziya in, and is um, talking about Mincha on Shabbos. And he also says it in the singular that he says of al well, Okay, moving on over here. Uh, the Raman says if a person... Well, diamond- what's not clear to me is that the Raman would say that, it, that the Raman is opposed to the idea that individuals are saying... It. Well, presumably it has to do with the fact that you have to say Atta Kaddish with a minion. You have to say, Kudusha with a minya. So the chazan is represented. I would Last like to, 10, it's, a, it's already 10 o'clock, and I would like to try and finish um, a number of things here. Um, chapter 10, the Halacha Aleph, the Ramam says that if a person daven without Kavonah, he has to repeat the Amida. Nowadays, we don't do that, um, and the Paschim explain because we're, we're not so convinced that the second time around is going to be any better. Um, um, in the Rambam paskins over here in Parakut al Yud Gimel, that if in the 10 days of repentance you said melech mishpat in the 11th paracha, instead of hamelech hamishpat, you have to repeat the Amida. Um, we basically don't Paschal like that, although we do advise saying it. Um, the Rambam brings the ancient custom that during the reading of the Torah there was a Muturgaman who would convey, who would translate every Paschic into Aramaic. Again, not customary nowadays, with the exception of perhaps some. Um, Yemenite communities Very interesting thing. Also relevant to yesterday's davening. Again, something which I've read dozens of times and never noticed. In the bracha of the havdalah, what the last bracha of the havdalah is reminiscent the bracha of the, the amida. Right on Shabbos, we say, yom azay, On Yom Tov, you say, or yom it is or whatever it is, on Rosh Hashanah, you say, whatever whatever the bracha of the Amida for that Yom Tif is, that's paraphrased in the bracha at the end of the Haftarah. And the Rambam also says that the, that, um, that when, when Shabbos falls on Rish Chaydesh, you mention Rish Chaydesh in that bracha. And there's different ways to understand the Rambam. Either he means that at the beginning of the bracha, you say, or some say that he even means the end of the bracha would say which we don't do nowadays, and this is a very major difference because if, certainly according to the second interpretation, that would be a change in changing the text of the brachas. Um, so that's a, that's a very interesting change, which again, um, went by me at least unnoticed. Um, okay. Um, the Rambam says the halacha, which, again, outside of Chabad is quite common practice, that on Shabbos and Yomtef, you could add alias, you could have more than seven uh, alias. Um, the Alter brings in Shulchan and the Tzemachtedek brings this, um, the Shittah, that we don't do that. Why don't we do that? Because, um, because, hold on. So the, so the reason is that we, the way we do the aliyahs is you have seven people get up, and each one makes a bracha before, and a bracha after his aliyah. Originally, the way it was was that the first person who got the first aliyah said the, brukha, the, the, the preceding bracha and read his part. Then he went down, and number two got up, no brachas, just read, got down. And number seven, the final one, said the after bracha. Later on, it was changed that everyone says both a bracha before and a bracha after, um, but there is a shittah, which the Chabad custom is to be strict like that of shittah, that the allowance for adding more aliyahs is only if you're doing one bracha in the beginning and one bracha at the end. But nowadays that we do, each person who gets an aliyah makes both a bracha before and a bracha after. So according to that opinion, uh, so, so, so now we, we, do, we shouldn't add aliyahs to make extra unnecessary brachas. Which is why, for example, unlike the Shabbos before Gimel Tamuz, where everyone gets an aliyah, instead of just splitting parashas kairach into 25 aliyahs, we make multiple readings so that each reading should only have seven aliyahs. Um, It's interesting that when the Rambam talks about, um, yeah, when the Rambam talks here about uh, Kaddish, one second, yeah, the Rambam mentions a custom that uh, in, instead of saying, like we, he mentions both customs, instead of saying Kaddish before, we say Kaddish before Maftir, but the Rambam brings a custom of saying Kaddish only at the end, which is what we did um, with, with Corona when the, we weren't giving aliyah, so we did use this opinion. Also, the Rambam has an, uh, brings an option of when you have two Sifritura, like we did yesterday, so the way we did it was we took out both of them. Um, by the way, the Rambam also brings an alternative custom is to take out one, put it, say Kaddish and put it back and then take out the second one read it and say Kaddish and put it back um, additionally moving on into the Perikut Gimel the Rambam when you have like we do yesterday again another difference of yesterday when you have Shabbos and Rishchidesh so the, you have seven aliyas in the first half Torah in the first Sefer Torah and in the final, in, in the last Torah in the second Torah we read just the mafter of Rishchidesh but the Rambam does give an option to split it up differently you could have five aliyas in the first Torah And another two aliyas in the second one, which would include the reading for Ashkadash. I found that very interesting. Again, something which I had not noticed previously. And here's an extra um, trivia very interesting question. There is one every time that there's a carbon musaf, Ari, every time there's a carbon musaf, we read the, we take out a Torah and we read the verses of that carbon musaf from the Torah. Um, There's one exception to that rule which is Shabbos. On Shabbos, we don't, we don't take out as if and read the Musaf of Shabbos. We do it on Rishchidesh, on Rosh Hashanah, Pesach, not, Why don't we do it every Shabbos? So the answer is because the reading of the Musaf of Shabbos is only two psukim, and the minimum amount to read for, for when, you, when you read from the Torah is three psukim. So that's why we don't do it every Shabbos. But when Rishchidesh falls on Shabbos, and we're anyway taking the Torah to read the Musaf of Rishchidesh, so we start two psukim earlier, to include also the Musaf of Shabbos, which is what we did yesterday, and I believe that's the way Toisrus explains the minhag. Um, okay, now here, I'm just going to point this out. I spent a long time trying to figure this out, and I did not manage to figure it out. But I'll just share my question, and maybe one day we'll find an answer to this. The Gemara brings to, uh, the, 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 the Rambam is really paraphrasing a Gemara over here. Now, on the, on the seventh month and the first day of the month, those words are found twice in the Torah. Once is in Emir, which is when it re- records all one of the times when it records all the holidays. It, re- it says, you know, the Yom of Rosh Hashanah. Another is in Paschus Pinchas, where it re- lists out all the, the Karban Musaf for each of the holidays. It also starts off introducing Rosh Hashanah as on the seventh month and the first day of the month. Now, the Gemara says, that almost finished here. you read Rosh Hashanah, or alternatively, you read Vashem Pakadasara, and the Gemara then concludes now that we have two days of Yom Yamtav of Rosh Hashanah, the first day you read Vashem Pakadasara, and the second day you read Velikimnusas of Ram, which is what we do. So why does the Rambam even mention this? Um this other opinion that the Gemara mentions, which is not the halacha, that we read from Parashas Emmer on Rosh Hashanah. I don't know why the Rambam mentions it. And only, it's so confusing that I saw that some people try to explain the Rambam that, what he, that, that, that he means the is Not the one from Parashas Emmer, he means the one from Parashas Pinchas, which is the Musaf offering, which we would read as the Haftarah. But I think that that uh, explanation of the Rambam is untenable because this is in halacha in parak Yud Gimel Halacha Yud, and if you look five halachas later, the Rambam says that in all of these days when you take out Sefer Torah uh, when it's Yom you take out another Sefer and read the Musaf. So he's not later. He's talking about Musaf. Here he's clearly talking about Bacheridus Ashuri B'echem which is an opinion in the Gemara, which the Gemara itself says that we don't do, and the Rambam says that we don't do it. So why the Rambam sees it worthy to mention it? I don't know, and I have not found anyone addressing the question, which is even more strange, because usually the commentators of the Rambam would address this. So this is a, a Rambam which remains somewhat, uh, 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 which I don't, I haven't yet understood what the Rambam wants with this. The only thought that crossed my mind was sort of, but the Abba, if for some reason somebody did that by mistake or, 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 or they didn't, for whatever reason somebody did that, then at least, you know, post-facto, you could rely on that opinion. I don't know, okay. Another very interesting thing in the Rambam, which I never noticed before, and apparently till today there are some Sephardim who do this, is that there's no Haftarah on a fast day. Yeah, we know that besides on Tisha But on all the other fast days, Shavah Sabotam, etc., we read the Haftarah by Mincha. The Rambam has no such thing. There's only Haftarah on Shabbos, and Yomtef, and um, So that's in Halachiyud Ches. And then moving on, Okay, now we're moving on to chapter 14, which is the laws of Birchus kainim. Um The Ram says that even though we don't duchin by Mincha on Kippur, nevertheless, if a kain did duchin on Mincha on Kippur, we allow him to, to, we, to, we don't stop him, which is the reason that I think are, the poskim explain that's the reason why we do say in the repetition of the Amida Mincha Kippur. And here is a fascinating thing, another very obvious thing in the Rambam, which I never paid attention to. How does duchening work? The Kayan makes the bracha, and then he is dictated to by the chazan word for word. The Yevarekha, Hashem, Hashem. Rambam says that the Kayin makes the bracha, and he says, Yevarekha. And from the second word and on, the chazan dictates to him. Yeah, maschilin and afterwards, makre Um, mila, the Why would that be the case? So, there's uh, two or three different reasons given um, either because they don't need to be dictated, everybody knows the first word, also that it shouldn't be a, an interruption between the bracha and immediately um, commencing the beginning of the mitzvah. Um, okay. What is that? This is, I just took from the Safer where He collected the different answers and I, I put it in my notes. Okay. Um, And then finally, two more things. First of all, the Rambam says that uh, people who don't, uh, if you read the Aleph, if you can't pronounce the difference between an Aleph and an Ayin, then you shouldn't Dukhan and other things like that, which today uh, we're not makbed on. If you have a lisp, Shibaylas, Sibaylas, all of those things we allow Kainim to duchen. And last, but not least, of course, is that the Rambam says that in the repetition of the Amidah, when there's no duchening. Um, for, for the Rambam, that would be if there's no Koyan. For us, For us, that's any time during the year that we don't do them. Where the Chazan says, <laughs> et etc., that you don't say Amen, but our custom is that we do say Amen, or some have the custom to say um, but we do say Amen during that one as well. Okay, that's uh, the end of my notes for this thing, and I hope everybody uh, found at least some of their examples interesting. Uh, Shibolus is the way that they un- they were able to.